Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. That's right. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. I'm Chua Tian Tian with your market view. Now, as we head closer to towards the end of the year, let's have a guess as to what's to come for 2023. Now, on that note, online trading and investment specialist Sexo has released its 10 outrageous predictions for 2023. Now, they focus on a series of underappreciated events, which, if they were to occur, would send shockwaves through financial markets as well as political and popular capital. So enough of me talking. Let's find out more about the outrageous predictions from Steen Jakobsen, Chief Investment Officer at Sexo. Hi, Steen. Are you there? Yeah, loud and clear. Oh, great. And Steen, well, um, let's get started. The title for this year's outrageous prediction is called The War Economy. And three of the predictions have to do with how uh, Europe could potentially respond to the ongoing war in Ukraine. You have one a prediction on the creation of EU armed forces, the other on political dysfunction function in France and the EU. So take us through those predicaments and the implication on trade flows. So it's pretty clear when you see the world from Europe, at least, that the uh, Ukraine war created a total change in a number of underlying trends. One, of course, was the uh, sort of the rain check on fossil energy, because all of a sudden energy security became a main concern. Uh, and also, as we had uh, addressed in the uh, race prediction, we also think that, that now is the time where Europe needs to decide whether they want to be basically a Disneyland for foreigners uh, to come visit in the summer, mm. or they want to step up and become a real geopolitical power, hence the call for a European army. Uh, and as such, I, I think similar to what we see at least in, in the U.S. and in the Western world, politics is very much driven by the far left and the far right, the right. center politics which has been famous in Europe is non-existent and hence there is a need for change under all circumstances. Right, yeah. And also, Steen, Sexo predicts that US and China, they are settling into a war economy mentality amid escalating trade and tech rivalry. So what would that mean for satellite countries and how? what can they do to prevent being vulnerable to this global US dollar system? I think the Prime Minister of Singapore said it uh, very well, I think, mm. last year when he said that there would be a time very, very soon where someone like Singapore, someone like my country, Denmark, needs to decide which side they are because the world is now splitting into two equally uh, large parts. Uh, of course, both Singapore and Denmark hope to navigate the water in between those two things because we don't want to, you know, uh, you know, being uh, being uh, seen as someone who takes takes a, a very strong side. But but that's going to be difficult on a geopolitical level. And then the rest is about, you know, the race that is on right now is a technology race. Uh, China seems to indicate by 25, 26, they are self-sufficient in semiconductor, and the U.S. wants to move semiconductors home. So at the end of the day, this is about technology. It is about making sure that the domestic economy is big enough to drive the overall growth of the economy. And as such, this is an extension of a trend which unfortunately, unfortunately is very, very clear, and that's deglobalization. So as you talk about these satellite countries, they will have a harder time being part of the solution and will be seen either as having to take a, a stand on who they support or alternatively will see less trade flows. Hmm. Would you uh, see the formation or the uh, rise in a new, what do you call that, a reserve currency then? Because a lot of these countries are relying on the global U.S. dollar system, isn't it? Yeah, and, and again, Ukraine is a great example. Of course, what happened to Russia was that to uh, use the strong words, they, uh, the dollar assets was confiscated. 
So what we call the weaponization of the U.S. dollars is something that the non-Western countries is certainly concerned about. I just came uh, here to Singapore from Dubai mm. and over the weekend, of course, you saw President Xi visiting MBS in Saudi Arabia. A new initiative is being launched, one of them being that oil between the two countries will be settled on the Shanghai Exchange for Oil and in Duan. Uh, and at the same time, of course, Russia is now telling the rest of the world, if you want to pay us, you want to pay us in gold, not in dollars. So this uh, very, very slow train, mind you, which is the dilution of the dollar uses in mm. cross-border flow, especially between countries that don't uh, need a dollar in between them to do the trade, uh, is, is rising and, and increase again tension on uh, deglobalization. Hmm. Well, Steen, on that note, you mentioned about Singapore. I want to welcome you because I understand you're in town for these few days. Yeah, so a big welcome to Singapore. And uh, well, Steen, uh, I'd like to briefly look at this prediction, uh, which says that the UK will hold an un-Brexit uh, un referendum to rejoin the EU. Now, Sexo, you guys were right about Brexit the first time round. What would the market impact be should UK now become part of the EU then? I'll be very positive and just to clarify what we are thinking here, it is of course a deal where uh, UK strike a deal similar to what Norway and Switzerland has, mm. which is, you know, membership without actually being part of the club because what we see right now is a huge about face change in the attitude, especially among young voters and as the young voters come through the rank and make their voice known, these guys are 80% for uh, getting closer to EU again, even rejoining the EU. And this, if you put that into the overall context of politics in the UK, where the Tory party is the most popular, ever, unpopular ever, and you see a rising trend of uh, support for the Labour market and the Lib Dem, we think that agenda that will play well with these uh, voters into the next election will be to uh, certainly at a minimum get closer to EU and maybe go into the full extent of, of unwinding that uh, very disastrous call for the UK, both politically and economically, and certainly from a strategic point of view. Mm. And, uh, well, Steen, let's talk about the wider inflation situation. Now, especially with energy costs driving up prices for very much of the whole of this year. Now, Sexo mentioned that owners of major tech companies, uh, in your outrageous predictions that uh, these owners, they will create a coalition for a trillion-dollar Manhattan project for energy. I'm particularly excited about this one. What will the market impact be and how would that affect the current energy infrastructure then? Also my favorite, because it goes to the root of the mm. problem that the world faces today, which is that the infrastructure, the, the grid network and the overall investment in energy, almost exclusively over the last five to ten years has been in the renewable space. It's almost like the policymakers and the, and the, and the institutions around the world have said, listen, we're going to do the renewable energy be the solution. Uh, renewable is part of the solution, but it is not the solution. What we need is a broader, wider scope on basic investment into energy. Uh, the platform owners, the billionaires, the trillionaires of the world, they are massive consumers of energy because, of course, they run platform. Platform generates data. The data stories in the mm. world is uh, moving uh, higher in uh, exponential terms, which means that, that at the end of the day, they are consuming 15 to 20% of all electricity to keep this digital economy going. Why don't they become part of the solution instead of the problem? And, and similar to what the robber barons and, and the big millionaires and billionaires of the 1920s and 30s invest into their own economy and being helping along that process, similar to what happened with the Manhattan Project, we are opening up, we are open sourcing, and we are mm. creating enough funding to throw at the single most 
important issue in the world right now, which is to get energy resources back online. Hmm. If you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to Steen Jakobsen, Chief Investment Officer at Sexo. Well, um, Steen, I want to focus on inflation. Uh, Sexo predicts that uh, widespread price controls could be introduced to cap official inflation in, in and even wage controls in the UK and also in the US. What could happen and what would that mean for inflation levels and interest rates then? Of course, this sits very much across from what the consensus is right now, which is that inflation will be contained and tempered. Uh, But we are saying, going back to what we just talked about, energy is unresolved. Geopolitical uh, agendas are driven by deglobalization. Deglobalization, per definition, is inflationary. So let's assume inflation again is accelerating. I can guarantee you the government is going to turn up and say, what President uh, Reagan used to say, the worst word that any uh, can, can be used in vocabulary, and that is, this is, we are the government, we are here to help. The last thing you want is more government intervention, more intervention in terms of price caps, because what you do then is, of course, artificially to cap the demand, and you are taking away from the ability to invest in new solution on the same issue that you're trying to contain through the price cap. And for the record, uh, we have had price control since 300 years before price was born in the timeline, and we've seen it in world wars, we've seen it in the uh, in the UK in the 70s and 80s, and similar in the US. We even had what we used to call a price control board. I have no doubt that if inflation resurfaces again to much higher level, double digit, then the government will want to intervene, uh, ironically thinking they can ha- alleviate the problem by intervening, they cannot. What we need is to have a society that's all for energy and solve for the lack of productivity we have today. Mm, but in the meantime, interest rates remain the main instrument for tackling inflation. So I have to segue to the Fed's rate decision, uh, Steen, uh, which was out overnight. To what extent was that within expectation, in particular, Jerome Powell's post-meeting comments? It was more hawkish than the market expected. I think the market was expecting that Fed would acknowledge that the speed of the hikes would slow down and that the terminal rate would remain unchanged. Instead, of course, they increased the stakes in terms of going north of 500 basis point in terms of the terminal rate. But the market is still fading that. But remember, the more you're trying to fade the Fed, the more the Fed will need to move because simply put, financial conditions so the overall sort of strengths after tightening that is has been easing by 100 basis point if you ease by 100 basis point the net end result is higher inflation down the line so in other words the more we fight against this move to contain inflation uh, by in the market pricing lower interest rate and lower inflation into the future we are really paying uh, a very very difficult game of balancing uh, the inflation forward and the forward inflation in my opinion is going to reaccelerate exactly because we're fading the Fed. Hmm. And one quick question, uh, Steam, before we let you go. Going back to the predictions, as we go into 2023, the pressure on Japanese yen and the Japanese financial system mounts again. And uh, Sexo expects the Bank of Japan and Ministry of Finance to slow down the pace of currency intervention after burning through more than half of its reserve and eventually pack the US, uh, USD JPY at 200 to sort out its financial system. Uh, to what extent will the pack be uh, beneficial for capital market investors uh, should it happen? Well, of course, I need to stress again, this is our, our rate of risk, not our actual forecast. Mm, but, exactly. but the story here is, of course, that, uh, that the fact here is, of course, that Japan for the last 20 years is trying to, be, to generate inflation. And the recent initiatives they've had on the Kuroda 
is, of course, to use what is called a yield curve control, which is to cap the interest rate on its own. You have to remember in any economic system, if you control and try to control just one indicator, you are allowing any other indicator to roam freely and with increased velocity. What we saw during 22 was, of course, a huge spike in the rate of dollar yen. That became a concern. So now the, the Bank of Japan is both trying to balance the yield curve control and trying to keep the dollar yen low. That cannot work. Ultimately, they need to keep competitiveness, hence the 200 a, a, a foreign exchange rate. But what will then transpire in the economy, of course, is a huge need for monetization of the debt, where we basically close the book on the fact that we have high public debt and we have very high private saving, net-net, not a big issue, but as long as they sit as gross level in the economy, it's, it's a real issue because the debt to GDP in Japan is one of the highest in the world. And that will go away by the wayside if you do the monetization, but it will also mean a very, very steep uh, um, slowdown in growth mm, while you rebalance right. and recalibrate the, uh, the Japanese economy. All right. Thank you very much, Steen, for all those insights. That was Steen Jakobsen, Chief Investment Officer at Sexo. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.